what you see when you watch football or when you watch any type of professional sport is just the top of the iceberg. Underneath, there's a huge machine that is going on 24-7. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello and welcome back to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. This is episode number 12 and part two with performance chef Rachel Muse. As always with part two, I want to get straight back into the conversation with Rachel. If you just cast your mind back to episode number 11, Rachel was telling us about how she is the link between the nutritionist and the performing athlete and she creates that bridge and she actually goes into the athlete's homes and cooks their dinner. So she takes the information that the nutritionist puts on a piece of paper and she transfers that and puts it on a plate for the athletes so that they can perform at their very best. And we're going to carry on with that now in part two, but we're going to understand a little bit more about the dynamic, about how it works being in someone else's house and also being in someone else's house if they've got a family and if they're married with children and if they move clubs or they change location, how that all fits in and how Rachel and her team fit into someone else's life in such an intimate way as well. And towards the end, we're going to get into some uh, a couple of little stories that Rachel's going to tell us about a few things that go on behind the scenes. So you're going to have a bit of a laugh for that as well. So without any further ado, let's get straight back into it. This is part two with Performance Chef Rachel Muse. Hey, welcome back, Rachel, to part two. How are you? I'm very well, Mark. How have you been? Yeah, very good, thanks. So hopefully the the listeners will, I keep going to call them viewers, but hopefully the listeners (laughs) will remember, we talked in in part one about you going into athletes' kitchens and cooking for them. And we also talked a little bit about you buying their their shopping, uh, their food, as well as some other things you do. Now, I'm curious here that you 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 go out to buy the shopping. Does the does yes. the athlete have much of a say at this stage? Is he saying this is what I would like to eat this week, or is it done sort of after the event? You you cook week one, and they say actually I didn't like that, or I'd prefer this, I'd prefer that. Well, it depends. Some athletes say I don't want to make any decisions; you decide, and it's like uh, okay, we can do that. Uh, but that's not really what we're about. Really, we're about giving people exactly what they want uh, so normally um if if for example it's a client who's a footballer we will go around to their house at about three o'clock when they're back from training and we will say and they've obviously at that point they've already had breakfast and they've already had lunch so they know what they've had for breakfast and they know what they've had for lunch because they've just had it so you can then ask them so what would you like for your dinner plus you have the nutritionist's advice open and ready i normally have it on my phone and my chefs who are cooking for other clients will have it open on their phone just to you know remind everybody why we're here that if the nutritionist has said well this ratio of fats are proteins to carbs uh and so we'll say to the athlete what would you like and they'll say whatever it is um or they might say oh you know i was thinking of having uh lamb but i don't know what to have and so you you give them a few ideas you might say well how about a tagine or how about um 
roast lamb or how about this or how about lamb curry da, da, da. and they go oh yeah lamb curry I like the sound of that okay and so you say well would you want it with some rice and you know da, 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 da. so you you work on the menu together with the athlete and I always find it's best to do it that afternoon for the evening that's just about you know for the evening that's two hours three hours ahead because then they've already had their lunch they already know how they feel they already know what they want for their dinner if you try and do it a couple of days in advance then it usually doesn't work because they might think oh right so say say today is friday and you're talking about a menu for monday and they think to themselves, oh, I'd really like to have those big prawns you do with a Thai sauce and and, uh, and the green papaya salad. I really like all of that. And then it gets to Monday lunchtime and they've already had, they've been at training and they've already had a big paella or whatever. And then they think, oh, I don't really fancy prawns now because we had a big old fishy, ricey thing for lunch. Oh, I don't really fancy it. So it's, I find it's easier to do it on the day. And then... It's also easier because at that point you write the menu, whatever it is that they would like, uh, matched up, as I said, to what the nutritionist has put down as their um, advice. Um, and then you look through the kitchen and see what there is because just because you left the kitchen the day before with uh, half a kilo of tomatoes, it uh, doesn't mean to say there's still going to be half a kilo of tomatoes when you're in the following day because someone might have, I don't know, fried them up and had them for breakfast or who knows what they might have done with them that's not my concern so you go and you know check through the kitchen and and uh write down all the ingredients that you need that the kitchen doesn't have uh to make the menu that you've discussed then uh, and then I always ask the client uh, you know do you want shampoo do you need loo roll do you need you know what whatever it is uh because um quite often the sort of people we're looking after if they go into a supermarket they will be recognized they will be hassled and they might be in the mood for that or equally they might not be in the mood for that um and particularly footballers whenever they anyone you know anyone comes up to them it's a selfie and then it's uh, oh you know on saturday you shouldn't have tackled someone so like that you should have done this you should have done that and I just think that's rude like why would you tell a footballer how to play football it's yeah i agree it just, is rude. it's just rude <laughs> it's just rude but anyway you know that's you know that's part of the whole machine if you are a footballer then you are doing it for an audience for your fans and their fans are going to want to interact with you uh, but some days they're not in the mood they don't want that so if uh, if an athlete um, says, oh yeah, you know, can you pick me up some toothpaste or can you do this or can you do that? Then I'm going to be in the shop anyway, so yeah, no problem, no big deal. Uh, because it's all about making athletes' lives easier. And if it's picking up toothpaste, then you know that's one of the it's an easy, easy thing to do. Uh, so Did yes, I ever uh, get you to pick up anything other than toothpaste? I'm thinking I've got treats in my head. If if I feel like a I don't keep chocolate bars in the house, but if I felt like one, I'd go out to the local Tesco and I'd buy a chocolate bar. Like you say, they, they probably can't do that. Do they say to you, Rachel, what, why are you down the shops? Can you, can you pick us up an Easter egg or can you pick us yes. up a bag of crisps? Yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> all of those things I just turn a blind eye to. And it's just like, yep, I'm not going to get involved. You know, we're not going to have a conversation about this. I'm just going to do it. Right. And they go, yes, right. I'm just not going to, because you know, you I also think that if you eat 80% of really, really great, fresh, organic food that's freshly cooked, then 20% 
then you can just let that slide. Ideally, it would be 10% just let slide. But if it's just only 20% of things that aren't fresh, organic and bursting with nutrition, then who cares? As long as, as, long as it's 80% fabulous, you're fine, I think. Anyway, so yes, there are requests to pick up things which a nutritionist might frown upon. But I think, <laughs> you know, we're living in the real world here. There are going to be crisps. There are going to be a few bits of chocolate just you know so yeah do that uh and so normally go to the local butcher or local fishmonger uh local fruit and veg person a market if there is a market um assemble everything and then all the bits you can't get then it's probably into waitrose um or whoever to pick up the bits that you can't get Anyways, but you know, it does, it really depends. The, the local suppliers are really important to us and we spend a lot of time working out who's best at what. It might be, for example, that the, uh, the waitrose is fantastic at fish, but that, you know, the local waitrose is fantastic at fish, or it might be that the local Asda is amazing at fruit. It just, you know, it doesn't matter whoever's got the best stuff, whoever's got the highest turnover uh, and the, the best quality ingredients, that's where we'll go. Yeah, Not proud at all. No, fantastic way to be. I think everyone, everyone could live, could live a little bit better if they looked looked at things like that instead of just going to one big superstore and buying everything under the sun in the superstore. Yeah, yes. But then, you know, we're lucky we have the time. It probably takes us about an hour and a quarter every day shopping, and that's looking for the right things, the best quality. And you might think that's a faff. It is a faff, but the freshest stuff is going to be packed full of nutrition, which is what's important. And also, it makes my life easier. If I'm, it, me and all the other chefs, if we're all working with the very best, very freshest ingredients, then, you know, what do you do? You warm it up or you chop it up, whatever. You put it on a plate and people say, wow, this is amazing. I've never had a steak like this. And you're like, well, that's because you've never had one cooked you know, two minutes before you've eaten it. That's, but that's what it is. It's, it's the freshness that makes it taste so amazing. And, um, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be the fanciest chef in the world. If you're working with the best ingredients, then that's a huge leg up to having a fantastic result. It is. It's a good place to start, isn't it? Yeah. Do, um, do any of the clients want to muck in and help or do they just sit back and, and let you get on with it? Um, there will be people who are curious, but really, I think that, uh, they'll be, well, they'll be curious about the process and they will say, oh, where did you get that meat from? Cause I like this more than that. Or where did you get that from? Can you get them from there next time? Or I didn't like this as much as that. Uh, can you not do that next time? It's more kind of like that. It, it we do have one client who, um, who transitioned to being vegan uh, because of a health issue. It wasn't, um, it wasn't uh, particularly a lifestyle choice. It was because he had a medical condition. He has a medical condition, um, which he could either be on a whole bucket load of pills or he can just go vegan. And if he's vegan, then he yeah. can do what he likes. So for him, that was a sensible thing to do. And of course, when you've got something to cook for you to make it all happen, then being vegan is not a stress because you've got someone who's 
taking on that stress as it were not that it is a stress but someone who's figuring out that solving that problem for you Uh, and he was very interested in the transition process uh just learning about uh different ingredients and how different things could fit together and how you could substitute one thing for something else uh he was very interested in that process but once he was through and kind of fully transitioned into being vegan um he was uh, less interested and just you know sat at the table waiting for his dinner which is fine because that's that's what we're there for we are there to make people's lives easier but that's a really interesting point there because it's it's all very well if you if you take a footballer say you work with one for 10 years and you do everything for him you cook all his food he doesn't pay any see if it was me i'd, I'd want to be in the kitchen i'd want to be chopping up food and, and getting involved as much as i could but i know a lot of people are going to sit back and just let you do it what happens then when they retire? Do you ever stay with clients afterwards or do they just get to the point and they think, do you know what? I ain't got a clue what I'm doing in this kitchen now. I think it's, um, it's very much a lifestyle choice. And the way I explain this to myself and explain it to other people is that when I was the student, I would occasionally scrape together the money to go and fly somewhere or go and do something. And if my fl- and my flight would leave at you know something like six o'clock in the morning because it was the cheap flight, and so I'd be on a bus at four o'clock in the morning to do the con- and there'd be one connection, another connection, arrive at the airport, knackered, hating the whole experience. Uh, but you know, there am I on my cheap flight, fly off to wherever, do this, have a bit of holiday, come back again. Uh, and then one day I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to get a taxi to the airport. It might be 50 quid and it might only be, you know, like I don't know, 15 miles or whatever, but I am going to get a taxi to the airport. Um, I'm going to make my life easier. I've got a problem. I'm going to fix it with money. And so, you know, you can, you can wake up much later. You can be much more relaxed. Taxis outside waiting, all easier, much, much less stress. Once you've done that, once you've had that first taxi to the airport, your life is ruined. You can never go back on the bus. And that's what it is, really. It's okay. It's not taxis and buses. It's uh, having takeaways or having someone come in and cook you beautiful food, the exact food that you want, exactly when you want it, to serve it to you and then clear up the kitchen and also be chatty chatty and interested in you. Um, Just to kind of, you know, like an auntie, just, just be there, just be be there and um, be a connection in your life that's nothing to do with football, that's nothing to do with sport, that's nothing to do with three points, that's nothing to do with being relegated, nothing to do with being on the bench. Just someone who wants you to eat nice food and have a nice evening. That's it. And that, I think, once you've had that, you don't want to go back. You, You think to yourself, well, yeah, it is a bit of money, but it makes my life so much easier and also physically you're putting the very best food into yourself and so that 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 makes you feel good there are no you know no msg uh, no high fructose corn syrup no no um, uh, um, lettuce washed in chlorine none of that it's all the freshest best food so of course that's going to make you feel good and if you can afford it then why not yeah i'm really i'm really glad you've talked about that the the benefits of the organic food and the local produce and things like that because it's still something that a lot of people don't really see the benefit with a lot of people will look at organic food and just you know i don't want to generalize everyone but a lot of people will say oh it's just overpriced it's the same stuff and it's totally not the same stuff and the benefits are huge and if elite athletes are using this 
and getting the results, then it can be the same for all of us. And we can all feel better on a day-to-day basis by putting better quality food in our body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely and utterly agree. And if it comes, if people are thinking it's about price, it's not about price. You think about every time you buy a sandwich in a shop, then what's that? Like it's going to be three, Three, four four quid. If you have a little local organic uh, baker around the corner, buy a bunch of rolls. You can keep them in the freezer if you want. Freezing's not bad. You've got a market, you've got a guy who's making organic cheese, or a girl, I know, a great girl cheese maker, uh, making some cheese. Well, you know, use that cheese. Uh, and if you can grow a carrot in the garden, great, grow a carrot in the garden. If you can't, then go and get an organic carrot, grate it, and there you go. You can make your, your sandwiches for the week for less than £4 a go uh, and it can all be organic it can be local but it does take planning it does take thinking it does take uh, a little bit of um, being creative but then you're eating fresher better food and you know try it try it for two weeks and if that doesn't make you feel better then you know it doesn't make you feel better you've tried it but I'm almost certain that it will make you feel better, make your skin clearer. If you're prone to headaches, that will probably change a bit. Um, this might not be the place to talk about pooing, but, you know, you're probably <laughs> your digestive tract will be happier. Uh, just because you've had to think about your food, you've had to plan your food, probably eating food with more fibre that's fresher, your body's going to like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, is, it is factual that, that all that will improve. There, there is no doubt about that at all and yeah uh, yeah and, and to hear that that you're using this and top athletes are using this just reinforces the fact i think to, to everybody else who's not an elite athlete so um although i would like to say that it's not all about the food it completely isn't there are a lot of athletes who have won the genetic lottery and who could probably live on fried chicken and 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 an unbuttered bread and you know bread out of a plastic bag and fried chicken and still get pretty nearly the same results that they get now but it would only be pretty nearly because they're just they're just built differently they've got different brains different bodies they are amazing physical specimens uh but if on top of that you're fueling it with the best possible nutrition and it's the food that you like and that makes you happy then that's just that can just be the edge you need to be the difference between being at the bottom of the championship getting relegated to being uh the, the top of the the top of the premier league so it's it's only it's marginal gains but uh, they are important yeah this this brings me back i i, I don't want to mention names either but, <laughs> but uh, there was there was a documentary on tv the other day about an ex premiership footballer and he is one of the most skillful most amazing english players we've ever had but okay. teammates were there saying he would never eat a vegetable, ever. All his food right. beige. He'd come home, have fish fingers and chips. Wow. He'd go there and he'd, he'd go into the staff canteen and he'd scrape all the vegetables off and he, he would just wow. eat beige food. But he is, was an amazing talent, but you just, I just couldn't help thinking to myself, if only he'd looked after himself a little bit better, if he just had yep. better food and better yep. nutrition. He, yep. he always... He was there or thereabouts, but he could have been a true great. And he never okay. quite got to that level. And in my head, You'll I'm thinking to... it just might have, that might have just made the difference for you. Yeah. 
but it's also it's it's not it's not just that though it's you'll have to tell me who this is off air so because i can then go and watch this documentary because i didn't watch it um <laughs> that it's not only that though it's it's the chicken and the egg thing isn't it and that's a bad analogy that involves food but it's if you are with all things like with me and my business the times i'm stubborn are the times when I'm working against myself because I've got some high and mighty idea or I've got some ridiculous principle that I think I'm following or I'm just plain scared uh, that I think, oh, no, well, we don't do that or no, no, that's the wrong thing to do. But if I just approach it and just try it and do it, then it often opens up loads of other doors and loads of other options and I meet loads of other people and, and everything springs and flows from that. So the the idea of not eating a vegetable is a stubbornness of some yep. description. And if you can stop those stubbornnesses, all of them in your life, the, oh, I don't know, whatever they are, we've all got little stubbornnesses in our heads. But the more you can eliminate them, the more and feel safe and, and try the other things, see what it's like on the other side the then the, the the more the more luck will come to you that makes it sound like i'm talking about the secret which i'm not but i'm saying that the more the the more experiences you can have the less you kind of pen yourself into a little stubbornness That's yeah kind of my point <laughs> <laughs> i i agree so we, we before we wrap up because we're coming to the end of part two um I'm, i know i want to add i'm sure the listeners do as well because you're so close to these athletes, is there any fun, I know you can't give names or clubs or anything like that, but is there any kind of funny stories that you can share with us now on the podcast? Um, well, there's one that always springs to mind that happened fairly early on. Um, I was kind of reluctant to work for a footballer in the very beginning because I didn't know about footballers. I just knew the bad stories about footballers. I knew the stories when they were on the front page of the newspaper, when they'd been caught, you know, misbehaving quite dramatically. I didn't know any of the stories about the, you know, the, 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 their daily lives. And they are very, very disciplined to be a top flight footballer. Uh, you've been training every day since you were eight you've been making sacrifices every day since you were eight. It's hard. And people don't see that. They just see them driving around in their Lamborghinis and thinking they're spoiled. But there's a lot of work that goes into that. Trust me. A lot of sacrifice that goes into that. Um, A lot of not having Christmas at home, a lot of not having New Year at home, a lot of, it's hard, the season is long. Anyway, my point is that I went and um, started cooking for an athlete who's an absolute gentleman an absolute sweetheart one of the nicest clients i've ever 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 had he happens to be a footballer but an absolute gentleman um not particularly um very well educated but very intelligent because he spent all his time learning to play football not learning about the second world war so you know that was a sensible thing for him to be doing because he's now on the england squad so a lovely man and um so one day i was uh well every day i would go around to his uh his house and say to him well you know what have you thought about what you'd like for your dinner and i had always assumed that he was in cycling shorts a kind of black tight shorts like boxer shorts but a bit longer (laughs) and i had thought that that was you know uh, he was sitting around after training, exhausted, um, in his cycling shorts. Then one day I am talking to him, and I'm just by the front door, 
and uh, sticks in my mind very vividly. And um, he he goes over to a chair. He picks up a pair of trousers. He's in his cycling shorts, and he just puts on this pair of trousers. And at that point, I realised that for the last three or four months, every time I've been talking to him in his cycling shorts, they were in fact his pants. <laughs> and he, and he, had, he clearly had no issue walking around the house with a, with a stranger in the house in his boxes. In his pants, yes. No, none at all. They were, they were boxes that you could pass off as cycling shorts, but they were his boxes. But I think that's a good thing. That's, that shows how relaxed he was having someone in his house cooking for him. He was walking around the house in his pants. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure you get lots of little little things like that in your day-to-day work and environment. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> make, makes lots. it an interesting day. It, it does. But then equally, you know, he's a person. If he, you know, at, at home, do you ever walk around in your pants? All That's the time. Sometimes. I'm well, there you go. This pod- I'm recording this podcast. Truth's out now, isn't it? Yeah, but, I do all my, all the, all my episodes <laughs> in my underwear. It's just so everyone knows. Well, on cold days, it's in your underwear, and a hot day is starkers, presumably. Yeah, when, when the summer gets here, I might, I might, uh, I might do that. <laughs> so, but, you know... People are people. They're, they might be a huge star. They might be this. They might be that. When they're out, outside of the house, you know, one side of the front door, they're that person. The other side of the front door, they're just a person. Same as you, same as me. Yeah. If they want to wander around in their pants, then they will wander around in their pants. <laughs> yeah, like you say, we, we all do it. So they're, they're no different to us. It's just, yeah, it's just amusing that you wasn't aware for so yeah. long. But, uh, <laughs> Well, I thank you, Rachel, for all the advice. I I found this fascinating, and I know the listeners will as well. This is this is a part of life that we see on the back pages, on the front pages, all the time, and we see it on Sky TV and on the news. But we never really get to understand what goes on in the background. And yes, talk to mind nutritionists, but this is this is a totally different aspect of what's going on in the background, and I've loved it. Yes. Exactly. And it's like, it's, it's just like an iceberg. What you see when you watch football or when you watch any type of professional sport, it's just the top of the iceberg. Underneath, there's a huge machine that is going on 24-7. And I am a very small part of that huge machine. But a very important part. Don't, uh, don't underestimate that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Mark. And you, Rachel. Thank you very much for your time. And you take care and, in, and enjoy, continue to enjoy your job. Yeah, well, I will. Yes, and yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. A pleasure. You take care, okay. Rachel. You take care. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. Oh, I really want to thank Rachel for that. I, I loved these two conversations that we had. For me, it was a real eye-opener as to what goes on behind the scenes, and I'm sure it was for a lot of you listed as well. And fantastic stories that are not just relevant for performing athletes and for elite sportsmen, but things like just getting the best quality ingredients, you know, how much that's going to nourish your body, nourish your soul, and just help us all to live the best version of ourselves every single day, simply by changing the quality of our ingredients. Coming up in episode 14, we're going to say good day to Marty Vids. Marty is a business coach from Down Under, and we're going to talk a lot about the connection between health and wealth. Now, we're going to start off by talking about how you can look after your own health whilst running a business. Um, it's something we always put on the back burner a little bit, particularly if we do run our own business. And 
to, to a large degree, I think everyone does it. If you've just got a busy lifestyle, if you if you just work in 10, 12 hour days, whether that's in your own business or you're working for someone else, it's very hard to look after your health. But we're going to we're going to find ways that we can do that and why it's so important to look after your health. But then we're going to transition into why looking after your health is actually good for your business, because you are the most important element. If you own your own business, if you run your own business, you are the most important element in that business. And looking after your health is very important for you, but it's also very, very important for your business. Because the healthier you are, the happier you are, the fitter you are, the more your business is going to thrive. You will know if you run your own business that on days when you've got low energy, you're not feeling well, you're not feeling great, your business suffers as a result. So if we can get you in a healthier state, mind and body, it's going to help your business thrive. And these next two conversations are going to be fascinating for anybody who's working long hours, is fully committed to a job or got their own business. And we're going to have a fantastic laugh along the way. So come and join me again on episode 14 on the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast with Marty Vids. If you've got time in between, please go over to iTunes. Please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. It really does help get even more inspiring guests on like Marty. And the more guests we get on, the more content and the more we're able to help you look, move and feel your best. So take care, guys. Be happy. Enjoy life. And I'll speak to you again in a couple of days.